Welcome to Coffee with Kojo, a podcast produced by graduate students in the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. Coffee with Kojo is hosted by McCade Iverson and B. Benson, who are grad students in our program. Our sixth podcast features local photographer Dave Egan. Dave has experience as a photojournalist for the Brookings Register and as digital media producer for KDLT-TV. He now works as a freelance photographer specializing in sports. Dave has photographed many SDSU sporting events and often talks to our journalism classes about his experience. McCade and B caught up with him on his most recent visit to the school. All right, everybody. Today we have Dave Egan with us, and he is a photographer. He actually just finished up being a guest speaker with Frank Robertson's class. So welcome, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you go ahead and start off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, again, Dave Egan, been a photojournalist, um, mainly freelance for the last 30 plus years. So I'm an old guy. <laughs> uh, the uh, I'm the I'm the exception to the rule. I do not have a degree in journalism. I don't have a degree in anything. So this is my uh, little little push to tell everybody: stay in school. Get your degree in whatever it is, whether it's journalism, whether it's whatever. It, with me not having a degree, it did keep doors closed uh, throughout my career. So, so that being said, you know I've been a I've been a, f- a freelancer for a number of years. I've covered multiple events, not just for South Dakota State, for University of Sioux Falls, for University of South Dakota as well. Got to cover presidents. It's been an honor and a privilege to. Be in the career that I've, you know, I've been in for as long as I have. I've got, I know that I've got to see and do things that a lot of other people have not. So, okay. so it's 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 been very rewarding. What does it look like over the next 15, 20 years? I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. what the journalism <laughs> industry is bringing. So yeah, it's always very unexpected. Yeah. So and it's changed so much over the la- over the thirty years that I've been doing it, and and probably more so the last ten. So than, yeah. than, than previously. So, you know, what do I tell students now that are wanting to get into journalism? Well, you know, it's not just photography. It's not just doing video. You got to know how to do everything. You got to know how to do everything. Exactly. You got to know how to shoot photos. You got to know how to do video. You got to know how to edit. You got to know how to write. And you got to know how to do it. You want to do it for 24, 5 a year. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a start anyway. You know, from there, hopefully you'll be able to move up. So it's, you know, it's it's not the most lucrative business or you know position to be in, but it's um, but it's definitely one of the most rewarding, in my opinion. Sure. I did want to ask. I wanted to ask for the freelance that you said you've been doing for over thirty years. Mm-hmm. I know that you said because of not having the degree, it made it a little bit more difficult. Is that why you actually went into freelancing, or did you already anticipate that it would be a problem? No, nope. to not having a degree. No, it, it was my choice to not finish school due to some, you know, some personal choices, and uh, and that's fine, and I accepted that. But you know, in a lot of the freelance work that I was doing, I had the opportunity. Opportunities came up with positions that came open at different newspapers that I would apply for. Well, due to not having a degree, I was never looked at as a potential candidate. Even though I was freelancing for a particular paper, they just they said, "Hey, you don't have a degree. We, you know, this is our policy. We don't hire you know, 
unless you have a degree. Sure. Okay, that's fine. I accept it, and that's fine. They had the confidence in me to send me out to get a page one photo, mm -hmm. but you know they just they weren't going to hire me as a staff photographer. Right. That's fine. You you do a lot of sports. Yes. You cover a lot of sports. Do you have a favorite sport that you cover? Over the last, uh, I suppose, you know, well, I guess it's 20 years now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we kind of try to specialize in sports. Now I still do a little bit of, you know, other journalism work also, but trying to kind of focus more just on sports. Um, favorite, my favorite sport is, is every season. Every season, you know, football's middle of August comes rolling around. Oh, I'm so ready for football. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. so excited for it. By the time, you know, middle of November rolls around, oh, I'm so excited for basketball, you know, kind of a thing. Once, you know, middle of March rolls around, oh, I can't wait for baseball. So, every you know, sport. every sport, you know, <laughs> there are some that are obviously a lot more difficult to cover than others. But, you know, I guess if I had to pinpoint it, football is probably one of my favorite sports to cover. Sure. So yeah, that actually kind of leads into my next question because I know you mentioned some might be more difficult. Mm -hmm. What what's the craziest thing that you had to do in order to get a shot? Like, have you had to get into some weird position or <laughs> go into some weird hidey hole thing or anything? Maybe that's more of a question for my chiropractor. Oh, but, sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's you know when when you sit on a basketball court for you know a, a full game, you know, it it it's hard on you. You know, as far as crazy positions, you know, there's been times where, you know, years ago, um, my old business partner and I, we would cover the NAIA tournament uh, in Sioux City, and we got to go, we, before we had the capability of using remotes in order to trip the camera, we would actually walk up into the catwalk and basically kind of lay on the catwalk. Now, it was it was a solid piece of wood so it's not like we were going to fall or anything yeah. <laughs> but just kind of hang over you know the the top of the basket with our camera you know obviously strap around our neck right. just in case you know but just talking about it my hands are getting a little sweaty yeah. <laughs> so, so you know that's kind of one I mean a couple other things you know it wasn't sports related but I've done some commercial work where you know I've got to be up in uh, you know, cherry pickers and, you know, oh, stuff okay. where you get way up in the air <laughs> yeah. covering stuff. And, you know, heights don't bother me, but it's just like, you know, when you're in this little bucket and the wind's blowing a little bit, it can be a little bit unnerving. So, yeah, yeah. So does that mean that for the different type of sports that you actually shoot, you need to actually be in different angles? One of the things that I love doing or that I strive for is looking for different angles, looking for an angle that not everybody else is doing. So when I cover, we'll just say a football game, I love shooting football from my knees because I'm looking up at the athletes so they actually look bigger than what they are. <laughs> Trust me, there are some big athletes who <laughs> to football too. Mm -hmm. but, but, but just by getting that perspective, you know, by looking up at them as opposed to standing to shoot them where it's, they'd be more eye level, it gives it, it just gives them more, you know, I guess I'm not sure what the term is, but they, they just look larger than life. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and I always shoot from the visitor sideline. And wow. and the reason for that, well, there's two reasons. The first reason is there's less people over on the visitor sideline. And then the second reason is, where's the, where's the home crowd? The home crowd's right. behind the home team. Well, if I'm on the visitor side and I'm shooting football, I got a nice crowd in the background mm -hmm. where if I'm on the home side, 
in any game, or just about any game besides, you know, a USD or an NDSU game, there's nobody on the visitor sideline. So if I'm on the home side and I'm shooting the game, there's typically nobody in the background. So right. it makes it, you know, it just makes for a better photo having a nice crowd in the background. Definitely. So what is your favorite shoot thus far then? Hmm. You know, I can't say that I, I've got a specific shoot. Um, I think it's just more, you know, it's it's the excitement, anticipation. Every Every game, every football game is just a little bit different. It's different because of lighting. It's different because of the you know the action. Every play is a little bit different. It's different. You know, you just never know what you what to expect. Basketball's the same same way. Every time up and down the court, what's going to happen? It's that excitement, that anticipation of what great photo can I get this time? You know, then next time down the court, what great photo can I get this time? You know, so every time it's you know it's the challenge it's a it's a it's a personal challenge to me so i've had i've had photos in sports illustrated i've had a two-page photo in sports illustrated that i'm you know very blessed to have have, have the opportunity to mm-hmm. you know i've been hired by numerous magazines to cover you know different events you know rich clarkson and associates that cover all the ncaa championships you know i get to i'm covering the the d2 wrestling championships that's going to be in sioux falls in a couple of weeks so you know, it's you know I'll be at the Summit League this week. So I mean, there's just there's opportunities, but I've been doing it a long time, so I've been able to develop this relationship with some of these clients as well. So yeah, does that does sure. that answer the question, or did I? Oh yeah, it, it does. I think so. Okay. I definitely think so. Yeah. I did want to know though, do you have a dream shoot that you actually want to do? Because I know you say you were blessed to have a Sports Illustrated, and most photographers actually don't get that opportunity. But do you have a dream one that you want to do? Well, I think if you ask any photographer, you know, especially if they love if they love covering football, you know, they'd love to cover the Super Bowl. I would love to cover a Super Bowl. I'd love to go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I've got a good friend of mine that does a lot of work for the Green Bay Packers, and I've got wow. to I've got to go to Lambeau Field. I didn't get to assist him on the field, but I got to be on the field pregame during warmups and stuff. So, you know. Being seven, eight feet from Aaron Rodgers and, you know, a lot of those players, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. So, you know, maybe, and I've only got to cover one NFL game in my, in my life. Would I like to cover more? Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be great fun to cover a Super Bowl, maybe a Ryder Cup, big golf fan. I got to cover the Solheim Cup, which is the LPGA's version of the Ryder Cup when it was in Des Moines a few years ago, and it was incredible. But now I'm involved with, like, the Sanford International, you know, senior tour oh, okay. when it's in Sioux Falls. And so just to be able to be up close and personal to a lot of those guys is just, it's, it's, it is a dream come true. It's, you yeah. know, just to see, see see these guys, you know, that I get to hang out with watching, you know, on TV when I was growing up as a kid. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So out of all your experiences, do you have one particular photo in mind that you're just like super proud of and you're just like that is the coolest thing well the one photo that i got was a uh that sports illustrated wound up picking up i wasn't hired by sports illustrated but it was uh it was a a wrestling tournament Uh, i was in sioux falls over christmas a few years ago and i was able to capture a photograph of actually a brookings kid and a kid from parkston and they kind of flipped up on their heads 
and then onto their backs, and I caught them right as they were on their heads, and they're kind of looking at each other upside down. And I was at a lecture before that where a, a photographer from Sports Illustrated was giving a lecture, Heinz Klutmeier, and he said, hey, we're always looking for cool photos. If you ever get something neat, you know, let us know. So it's kind of the week between Christmas and New Year's. I called him up, and I said, you know, hey, we're, you know, I got this neat wrestling photo I think would make a good photo for you guys and not thinking that they'd call me back but they called me right after the first of the year and it was one of those things where they said you know I explained the photo to him and he said well that sounds interesting why don't you email it to me so I emailed it to him and within 10 minutes he's calling me back and saying hey this is is it strobed is it filmed is it is it digital is it you know blah 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 and my answer was okay send me the original file to this email address so I sent it off and Called me the next day and said, yeah, we're going to use it in one of our leading, as one of our leading off photos. And so I was like, okay, it was, yeah, it was so cool. cool. So, you know, it's kind of a, that's kind of one of my feather, you know, one of the photos that I'm most proud of. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, I've got thousands of other ones that I, you know, my first cover photo, you know, for a newspaper, different things that I've got framed and hanging up at my house. So it might not be necessarily sports related. But things that things that I'm proud of. Yeah, absolutely. What are some things that you had to actually learn quickly about the photography business? One of the things I remember specifically, I was my, one of my probably one of my first football games that I was covering. Okay, now granted, this is this is this is film days, so this goes way yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, you know, not the old tripod with yeah. the big yeah. camera football days, but still still film days. Um, I, I, uh, the, the game that I was covering, it was a night game and I, for whatever, I, I don't remember why, but I accidentally bumped my shutter speed from whatever the flash link was. Cause I was using a little fill flash just to kind of make the players a little brighter. And I bumped it off of the flash setting to a higher shutter speed. So if, for example, if the shutter speed, your flash sync is 250th of a second, I bumped it up to like a thousand. So just by accident, and I didn't notice it until we got back and I processed the film and had like two photos that barely came out and I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, and this is like a playoff game or something, so it's not like I can go out and recreate it. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that I learned early on, always watch what my shutter speed that, you know, if I'm shooting something that, you know, is a flash or, because I rarely shoot anything besides manual, I'm always shooting manual for my exposures. And so it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, I've got to make sure that I always keep an eye on this just to make sure I don't bump it too high or even go the other way, bump it too low. So, Do you have any advice for aspiring photographers? Keep shooting. <laughs> just just shoot. You know, that's the, that's the best way you're going to learn. You know, play around with, with shutter speeds and apertures and ISO settings and Here's, here's, I guess, maybe my, I don't want to call it pet peeve, but the thing that I hear a lot of photographers doing is it's like, oh, I'll fix it in post, you know, oh. which, which means you know, you'll fix it on the computer later. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, if I'm covering a basketball game, I've got, I've got to send, a, I, I'm contracted with the NBA to do all the Skyforce stuff in Sioux Falls. So at halftime of the game, I've got to send a half a dozen photos to the NBA for them to start getting things out, you know, on social media and saying, hey, the game's going on, tune in to, you know, gleague.com or whatever to, to watch this. And, you know, so I don't have time to fix it in post. I've got to make sure that my photo is ready to go. Now, I'll tweak it a little bit, 
you know, I'll maybe do a little crop, a little tone, a little sharpen, but I've got to do it and then do the caption and then and then upload it to the FTP server in a matter of minutes. So I'm on deadline where I've got to get this done. So I guess my, my suggestion is, is understand the computer side of things, but don't rely on it. You know, make it so, you know, the photo is good to start with and, and then just do some minor tweaks later, especially if you're looking at journalism. Now, if you're looking at more commercial work or landscape or portraits or something, there's a lot of things that you can do, you know, with that in post. But, but if you've got a good looking image to start with, you're going to have a great looking image at post. Right, definitely. So, does that help? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think my last question would be, with the industry changing over the years, how has that affected the editing process? I know that you said don't depend specifically on the computer, but how, does, how has it changed as far as editing? I think just, you know, like with all technology, um, as cameras have gotten better, post-production's gotten better, um, you know, you can take a photo that's not very good to begin with, and it can look pretty darn good when you're done with it. So, whether it's you know whether it's a, a, the, the digital camera or whether it's the computers, you know, just in the last 20 years since digital cameras have really kind of come out, come out, the industry has changed a lot. Where is it going to go in another 20 years? I have no idea. I. I when talking to Frank's class just a little bit ago, a hundred years ago when we were doing photography, when when the you know you had the tripod and the big camera, the photographer would get underneath that little hood and then he'd hold up the the flash powder and go boof, you know, and take the picture. Well, that negative was an eight by ten. Okay, so the, so the negative itself is you know just think of an eight by ten picture. That was the negative. So as technology then moved forward with that, we came out with thirty five millimeter film. And that was kind of the industry standard for a long time. Well, a 35 millimeter negative is an inch by an inch and a half. So it's an inch high, an inch and a half wide. So we went from an eight, eight inches by 10 inches to an inch by an inch and a half. Now with some of the technology and the cameras that are out now, a 20 megapixel camera is roughly the equivalent, equivalent of a 20 by 30 negative. So 20 inches by 30 inches. Oh, wow. That's so that's a, big, that's a big negative. Right, okay. yeah. So, so you can take a little slice out of that, an eight by ten slice out of that, and make a print, and it's going to look pretty darn good. But, you know, again, you know, you want to use as much of that data as you can to make sure that your image is as good as it can be, if that makes sense. So, so I think it's it's not just with computers. I mean, when I started, computers were prevalent in. The newspaper industry and because we would use computers to you know scan the negatives put them in this in, in the system to be able to lay the newspaper pages out so it was even 35 years ago 40 years ago that's when i kind of started getting into the newspaper industry that was the normal so since obviously newspapers are dying but it's you know the technology I think is 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 gotten better in being able to lay things out. Now that the only drawback is is because now we're so computer oriented, everything is horizontal. Well, there's a lot of sports that I cover that aren't 
horizontal sports, basketball as an example. Basketball is more of a vertical sport. But I've got to try and figure out how to make it into a horizontal sport visually to, to be able to put online, you know, and do things with social media in a horizontal aspect as opposed to a vertical aspect. So that's my challenge, is trying to figure out how to make basketball a horizontal sport. <laughs> what is the hardest sport you've had to cover this far? I think probably one of the hardest sports to cover is is swimming, mainly because, you know, what I like, what I look for in a photograph is a face, and and if there's if there's a ball in the sport, you know, I want to see the ball too. You know, you might be have a really neat action photo, but if there's no ball in it, you know, it's like, man, it's it's only so so. But with swimming, it's so hard because you don't get to see their faces except for maybe a split second as they're turning their head up to catch a breath that you have to shoot a lot of photos in that one instance just to get a photograph. Well, I might shoot 10 photos in that one second as they're catching their breath and out of those 10 photos, I might get to use one. So at a swim meet, I'll go through probably seven or 8,000 photos and then have to edit those down, delete out a lot of them to get it down to maybe a couple thousand usable images. Then from there, there might be one or two that are like, okay, I really like that, or I really like that one. So, yeah, it's swimming is probably one of the hardest sports. Gymnastics is another extremely difficult sport. And, and because it's low lit, typically, now cameras have made it easier because the cameras are better. Uh, so you can get stop action easier, but you can't use a flash. So you have to shoot available light. Well, then the difficult part about gymnastics, too, is just body positioning, you know, yes. I mean, with the athletes. So pole vaulting would be another example. And, you know, you know, you don't want to show somebody's butt as they don't want to <laughs> pole vault. You know, right. Well, gymnastics is kind of the same way. So you have to be sensitive to that kind of thing. So, so those are probably the two hardest to shoot. Is there an easy sport to shoot? Yes and no. I mean, it just depends on what it is that I want to get. You know, if I if I need a photo of an offensive lineman blocking, okay, that's fairly easy because as soon as the ball's snapped, I can just get him putting his hands up, throwing a block. If I need a photo of a first baseman or second baseman just kind of in a ready position, whether it's softball or baseball, just going to get them as they're ready to go. But then just to try to get that action photo is can be a little bit more of a challenge. So, so... When I'm shooting stuff for South Dakota State, it's, I mean, it's one of those where they'll need a photograph of each position player. So I'll make sure that I get a picture of each position player, but then, you know, I try to get some action as well. So then what would you say is one of the easier sports to photograph? It, it varies. I mean, you know, again, not trying to single out softball or baseball, but if I'm just trying to get a photograph of a position player, you know, the nice thing about that is it's typically really good light. You know, it's if, if I'm shooting a softball or a baseball game, the sun's shining, or if it's not shining, it's an overcast day. An overcast day is a photographer's best friend. You know, I mean, because you can go anywhere and not have to worry about shadows, where other times you have to, you know, you have to kind of be mindful as far as where the sun's at. So, so it's, I guess I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to single out baseball softball as it being easy because it's not but it's maybe easier sure that? yeah so then about lighting itself would you prefer to shoot indoors then well for shooting indoor sports 
typically I'll use artificial light, so I won't shoot available light. I have, I'll use what are called strobes, where it's basically like a flash, a great big flash, but I usually put them maybe up in the catwalk, or so it's maybe a little bit farther away. So being up in the catwalk, they shine down onto the basketball court, or volleyball court, or wrestling mat, whatever it happens to be. So the great thing about that is, is I've got consistent light wherever I'm at and wherever I'm shooting from. And if you've ever been to like a Jack's wrestling match, they just kind of highlight just the ring itself. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really hard to shoot that. So, but for me, I don't have a problem because I've got all this artificial light that I pump in, I guess, when every time I take a picture, I just, I get a, uh, I use this artificial light and the photos look dynamite. So that being said, outdoors is great. It's, uh, you know, for me, you know, I don't mind shooting with my back to the sun or shooting into the sun. I don't have a problem either way, but, but having an, like I said, having an overcast day is, is, is just dynamite. Now, you know, I've covered events during the summer, you know, where it's been 110 and I've covered football games in the wintertime where it's, it has been 30 below and cameras work fine. Yeah. Fingers don't work as well, but the cameras work fine. So, so it's, you know, you've got the extremes, you do. And you and sometimes the extreme can happen during the game. I mean, it might be nice when the game starts and by the time the game's over, it might be raining and wind's blowing and you're trying to figure out how you're keeping your gear dry. So, yeah. Does that ever cause an issue if you're taking multiple pictures of a game and the first half of the game might be sunny and nice looking outside and then the second half all of a sudden it's, you know, overcast, cloudy. Does that make a difference if you're putting together like a gallery for one game? If it, that makes sense? Yeah, it it can. And and I'll use football as an example. You know, a lot of times when the when the season starts up here at state, it uh you know, having the privilege of, of, of covering the games up here, you know, with the game starting at six o'clock, it's great. Well, in, you know, first part of September, it's wonderful, you know, going out for an evening game. By the time the game's done at 9.30, it's dark. Mm-hmm. So so we go through that progress of, you know, daylight to night. And you just have to be mindful of the light, mindful of your ISO, mindful of your shutter speeds, and just making sure that you're getting good quality images. So... What makes a good photograph, though? What you know? What? Ah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't looking. You know. So. You were. <laughs> but you know, I guess. Like I guess what I look for is, you know, it doesn't have to be a peak action. It doesn't have to be the game-winning shot, the 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 game-scoring touchdown. It that's nice to get those, but a lot of times it's the reaction to what happens. You know, it's the celebration. It's you know the the thing about sports is. There's a winner and a loser at every game. You know, you lose the game, you don't get that participation trophy like we all got when we were kids. You know, it's losing sucks. It does. And it's one of those things. Unfortunately, with every winner, there is a loser, and you've got to cover both of them. There was one time years ago, I was covering a high school football championship game down in Vermilion, and the I was covering the team that lost, and... I had a great photo as a kid was kind of kneeling down and had his head in his hands and you could see the scoreboard in the background, you know, and they just got throttled, you know, 49 to 12 or something, you know, and I hear mom up in the stands, just leave him alone. He's, they, they lost. 
It's like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm doing my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm documenting what happened. I want the readers in the newspaper tomorrow to feel the emotion that he's feeling. Right, exactly. Because, I mean, a lot of times those can be more impactful in that sense. Yeah, more powerful. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've got some great celebration photos throughout my career. I've got some great dejection photos, I guess, if you want to say, you know, after somebody is lost. Those are the hard ones to shoot, but you, you have to shoot them. Right. So. So how do you know what angle to actually shoot at? I know for, I think you were saying football, you're on your knees, but how do you actually figure out which position that you should be in in order to get, like, the money shot? Again, I, I like shooting from a lower angle because, again, it, you know, even basketball players, you know, if I'm sitting sitting on a basketball court, it makes your six-foot basketball player look eight-foot, you know, tall. So, and some of your seven-footers really tall. So, you know, it just, again, it gives them that larger-than-life image or perspective because we do, we, we emulate our sports heroes, our athletes that we have. And, and to have them look a little bit bigger, you know, I'm old enough. I had a Dr. J poster on my, on my wall as I was a kid. And the, the photograph of him going in for a dunk from a low angle, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, he's got to be eight feet tall. Well, I got to meet him one time, you know, which was a highlight <laughs> to my career. Okay, yeah, he's six six, you know, but I'm still looking up at him, you know. And it was really, but it's really cool. But to give up, to give that perspective of larger than life is what you're looking for. So it really makes them look huge. Yeah. So. Okay, so what about using a remote camera? How many times or when do you actually use that? With, I'll use it on occasion. So like I said, I'm, since I'm, I'm contracted with the NBA to do all this stuff for the Sky Force, so I will use a remote camera on occasion behind the backboard at NBA games. Now, the NC there are NCAA regulations that say that any remote cameras have to be behind the baseline. So a lot of times I won't do one for SDSU games or Summit League games, but sometimes I will mount a camera maybe in a catwalk looking straight down. Well, that's a little bit different than being behind the backboard. So with my NBA stuff, I'll try to do a remote camera every game. I might not have the time in order to do it, you know, get it set up before the game starts. But like for the for the summer league coming up, yeah, I'll use it. But, you know, we'll, this year's going to be a little bit different, so we're hoping that we're going to be able to get one set up. So, but I love I, the thing that I love is just something different. Give me a different angle. Give me something. Give me a, a different look to what everybody else has. You know, that's what I'm looking for for it. In a good photograph, whether it's a remote, whether it's just you know a wrestling shot, rather than just sitting down, maybe it's mat level, just putting the camera down on the on the mat, and you know, or from you know up in the stands, you know, looking down on a on a basketball game, just something a little bit different. It kind of makes the the person that looks at the picture go, "Wow, cool." Kind of a random question, but do you? I know you said you're contracted with Skyforce. Mm -hmm. um, so do you ever find that you've gotten a... Well, first of all, do you focus on the Skyforce players, or do you kind of get pictures of the opposing team, too? And have you ever used a picture of an opposing team just because you 
happen to get a really a cool one out of that? Yeah. No, I, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually technically employed by the NBA, so I'm covering oh, both wait, teams. Oh, okay, yep. So, but being that the Skyforce are my primary team that I cover, you know, if they say, hey, we need a photo, you know, specifically looking for a photo of this guy, I'll make sure to get a photo of that guy. So, but there are times absolutely where I will, you know, I'll get great photos of the opposing team, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, that's a good picture. <laughs> um, this last this last week, in fact, if you go to uh, the GoJack's website right now, Andrew Sung did a great job on uh, interviewing Tevin King and Skylar Flatten. Tevin's playing with the Austin Spurs in the G League, and Skylar's playing with the Skyforce. So they actually played each other this last week in Sioux Falls, and so Andrew came down and did a little interview with them that put online. And we got permission from the NBA for SDSU to use uh, a photo of them together beforehand that, you know, was was great. It was fun. So, yeah. you know, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, just because I'm, you know, work closely with one team, since I'm employed by the league, I need to get both teams. But when I'm covering SDSU games, I'll cover, I'll shoot their half, I'll, I'll, you know, switch sides when the team switches sides, sure. you know, at halftime and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Because they're my client, so right. I'm working for them, and you know, then they'll say, "Hey, make sure you get a picture of Zach Zenner, you know, whoever." So yeah, definitely. So how cool. do you know what to actually shoot, though? Because there's so many different sports that you actually cover. How do you know what to specifically shoot? Well, I mean, a lot of time. I mean, throughout the season, I'll work closely with the athletic department, uh, the sports information guys, to kind of say, "Hey, you know." big game, you know, is this week, you know, I mean, we'll kind of do a little schedule coming up, you know, as far as what games they want me to cover, and then I'll just make sure I can work it into my schedule. Um, but then at the games, you know, you know, one of the things that I try to tell students is know the sport a little bit. If it's wrestling, you know a little bit about wrestling. If it's basketball, know a little bit about basketball. If it's football, you know, the last thing you want to be doing is, you know, not paying attention because the ball might be on the far hash mark, well, chances are the play is going to come around to you because there's more area on that side. So know your sport. Know what's going to happen. Some of the sports that I'm still learning, equestrian. I, I, I'm, I'm learning equestrian because I've never had to cover it until I got involved with South Dakota State. And it's it's a difficult sport to shoot. I'm, I'm not going to lie. What I think might be a good photo it's a judge sport, so the judge is, oh, no, that's, that's awful. You know, so, okay, you know, I, I don't understand it yet, so I'm still learning. Do you do anything to kind of prepare for that? Like maybe watch a YouTube video or look up other, what other photographers have done? You know, one of the things I love doing is I love seeing what other photographers do. If you see a cool photo, how did, how did they shoot that photo? How can I shoot that photo? What can I do to get that photo? So I definitely recommend looking at other people's work, seeing what else is out there. You know, as far as, I don't have time to watch a 30-minute YouTube, you <laughs> yeah. know, on stuff. Sure. So, in that aspect, it's kind of hard. But, but yeah, I mean, whatever you can do in order to try to make yourself better or stand out from other people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, do that. Yeah. So, you know, when I was, like I said, when I was a kid, you know, I had Dr. J posters on my, on my wall. And, you know... As I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated that my grandpa got me as I was a kid, and I would just, oh my gosh, these are so cool. These photos are just incredible. You know, how, you know, how did they do this? How did they get these pictures? 
you know, never really thinking maybe 40 years down the line that I'd be I'd be doing a lot of this as well. So, so it's really cool. It's really neat. Yeah, yeah. Very Does cool. that mean you ever see photos that makes you think, hmm, I'm going to tweak this a little bit and then make it into my version? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a, uh, there was a baseball photo that I saw years ago um, that I was just like, oh my gosh, I love that. I, I want to recreate that photo. And it took me covering the Canaries all summer one year before I finally got the photo that I wanted. And, you know, it was it was down the you know I was set up down the third baseline. The runner was coming around to score. The ball came to the catcher. The catcher's just got this look on his face. You know you can see through his mask where it's just like you are dead meat. You know? <laughs> and it's you know I mean it's just it it I was just like oh I, I, it probably took me forty games all wow. summer to get that one photo that I wanted. Now granted I be in different positions, you know, mm-hmm. earlier in the game to get the photo that I needed for the, the paper that day. But then I'd kind of run down to a different, that, the other spot and just kind of wait and hope that something was going to happen. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Absolutely. That was very insightful and helpful, I think, for a lot of potential photographers out there. I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Frank's class a little plug. If you haven't taken, you know, his, <laughs> his photojournalism class, take it. I usually lecture to his classes you know, every year, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I love talking about, you know, sports photography and showing off what I've done. And and I and I tell all the students, I say, if you see me on a sideline in a football game or basketball game, don't hesitate to come down and just ask me a question. Say hi, hey, I, you know, you lectured in my class, you know, in Frank's class, and I got a question. Absolutely, let's let's talk. If we got time, we'll talk. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. During the game, I'll uh, catch me at halftime. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Definitely. All right, well, yeah, thank you again for coming in. Absolutely, my pleasure. Our next episode will be available on March 27th and feature a conversation with graduate student Madison Van Walliken. Be sure to download our talk with Madison on March 27th. This podcast is a property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music.